Yeah, hello guys, welcome to my podcast channel and welcome to the first episode. My name is Moses Umoru. Of course, this is a, a new journey for me because um, I have been doing a lot of commentaries on other platforms, other traditional media platforms like the TV and then radio and um, of course using other social media platforms which are non-traditional like um, Facebook Live, um, Instagram Live, but this is my first time on on using a podcast to send information across to you and I'm excited about this journey. Um, for me, I will not be alone every time on this. I will be bringing in my friends at regular intervals to talk about the economy, talk about government policy, how it affects your business, how it affects you as an individual. And trust me, we'll try as much as possible to make this as interesting. <laughs> we understand that um, economics is a bit boring. Trust me. Those complex terms, interest rates, monetary policy committee meeting, NPR, you know, general lending rates in the economy and all of that. So the objective here is to ensure that these things are broken down and then you have a clear understanding of how these things work and how it affects you because that's the objective as a small business owner or as the head of a large corporate how it affects your business how you can be able to take informed decisions based on um, the things you're going to hear on this my podcast channel once again my name is Moro Moses um, I have a profile I have a background in economics and, and finance and I have been on a lot of platforms talking about the economy anyway so I think this is a new journey for me and I I'm excited at the same time I'm a bit afraid but let's see how this goes you know so today we we're talking about the economics of a pandemic and it's an emerging issue of course we're talking about the COVID-19 and how it affects the economy of Nigeria and what I will try as much as possible to do is to ensure that I break down those complex economic terms and I will try as much as possible to be using them. So when I use an economic term, I will try to define it. I will try to talk about its origin and the way it can be applied so that as you are understanding these things, you are also gaining um, knowledge and insights into, you know, some economic jargons as they call it, right? So I'm sure you are asking a lot of questions. Oh, COVID-19 its implications for Nigeria, its implications for the developing economies within the sub-Saharan African region, and how does it affect us? It's a, it's, it's, it's a China disease, as you know, the US president has actually called it. And so how does it affect, how does it affect me? How does it affect you, those of us here in Nigeria? Of course it does. Um, I will use the tickle-down hypothesis to explain that that everything that affects the global economy tickles down to emerging economies um tickle down hypothesis is um a an economic system in taxation where um, government believes that tax breaks for corporate organizations and financial aids to corporate organizations could have could stimulate the economy so if a company has tax break the company can pay more salaries that's more uh, income for households. If companies are giving financial aids, they can be able to affect those that are working under them. They can be able to execute CSR projects and create a lot of economics under it. So that's how tickle hypothesis actually works. So it's going to also be applied to this. Yeah. Now let's look at the history of the um, 
COVID-19 coronavirus has been said. It started in 2019, sometime in November, December in Wuhan, China. They say the wet, wet meat market, something like that in China. And then this whole thing came out. Please understand that the Chinese economy is the biggest economy in the world in terms of markets, right? So when you have the biggest market being affected, it does not just affect developing economies, it affects the global economy. And please understand that for Nigeria, China is our biggest importer of our crude oil, right? So you can see how it's affecting us automatically. So as a result of COVID-19, most industries shut down in China. Now, what happens is that there is a reduction in the demand for crude oil. That puts pressure on crude oil price because when supply is more than demand, basic economics, there's going to be drop in price. When you have more food than people are asking for the food, the seller will say, please come and buy now, right? Oh, nobody's coming. Okay, if I call the price by half, will you come? Okay, I will come. That's the same thing. That's exactly what happened at the global level. So these prices have been brought down, right? So as a result of that, there was a drop in oil price, right? There was a pressure for oil price. So what happens is that, okay, OPEC, they had a meeting and then uh, OPEC is the um, organization for petroleum exporting countries, of course, where Nigeria is a part of within Africa. We have other countries like Angola in Africa and the rest of them. So they had a meeting and then, okay, um, what do we do? And there's all called OPEC Plus. OPEC Plus are not members of the OPEC. But these are countries that are huge exporters of crude oil products. Saudi Arabia is one of them. Russia is one of them. And of course, the U.S. economy is kind of different. Why? Because U.S. does what we call shale, shale oil. They produce their oil kind of different from the Brent oil that has been produced here in, in, in Nigeria and other countries of the world. Yeah, but they are not members of OPEC Plus anyway. But they also had pressure also. So they were all watching for the outcome of OPEC, um, OPEC Plus. So if now there is more supply supply is more than demand because the chinese economy which is the biggest economy has shut down what do we now do we have to cut supply when you cut supply supply now equates demand creating what we call an equilibrium in price now for example i, I would break it down now okay supply for example you say okay the, the woman that sells the products like i mentioned before that is saying, okay, please come and take it at 50%. If the woman decides to say, okay, I'm going to take this product back into my warehouse and keep it until a lot of customers come out. So when customers see that, oh, the products are now few, and then you be like, oh, Nasmo Rimenu, buy at this price. You can, you can be able to control the price, right? Because you have, there's an artificial cut in supply, which is which is artificial anyway, it's your choice. So that's exactly what happened at that level. They decided that they would cut supply. But the problem was that Russia did not agree to cut supply. And because Russia did not agree to cut supply, Saudi Arabia, which is one of the biggest economies in the world, in terms of even export of crude oil products, they have lots, as in millions of barrels of crude oil products, decided to flood the markets. And they said they're going to flood the markets. So in just the weekend, sometime in February, there was a fundamental drop in oil price from around $64 per barrel to around $35 per barrel. In just one weekend, there was close to a 50% drop. And that brought shock. Now, how does that affect, trickle down, how does that affect the Nigerian economy? Now, you can see COVID-19 China, pressure oil price. Now, how it affects 
our economy in Nigeria, you can see it's affecting us already, tickling down to Nigeria and the Nigerian economy. Now, how does it affect us? Okay. Nigeria is the, our main government revenue is from the export of crude oil. So Nigeria exports crude oil 2 million, 2.1 billion barrels per day to the international market. China being our biggest market also. Now, we have put in our budget that we expect that we'll sell our barrel per day, our, a single barrel for $57 in our budget. Now, the price of crude oil has dropped to $35, which is way below what we budgeted for. And remember, your expenditure is based on your expected revenue. Now, as a guy, as, as a business or as a small business, you wake up at the beginning of the year and say, okay, I have a marketing budget. I'm going to spend this on social media marketing, 100000 a year. I'm going to spend that on salaries, 300000 a year. I'm going to spend this on other things. Yeah. Now, you are budgeting that based on how much you think you can be able to make. When I sell my cake, I'm going to make a millionaire in a year from the sale of cake. So, therefore, I'm going to use part of this to handle that. That's budgeting. That's simple budgeting. The same thing now applies to the Nigerian case here as it affects um, the COVID-19 and, and how, it affects, sorry, how, it, how it affects our budget. So the government has actually said that fine, okay, we have budgeted $57 per barrel for the sale of crude oil. That is our main income. And because we have budgeted $57 per barrel, we're going to take 2.4 trillion naira to build roads and to solve the power problem. We are going to take 2.2 trillion naira from what we make from the sale of crude oil to pay salaries. We're going to take 2.1 trillion naira to pay or to service our debts because we have international people that we have collected money from. We've collected money from China, from the US, from the World Bank. We want to service those debts, right? For 2.1 trillion naira. I'm just giving estimated figures. This, they, are, they are around the range actually, but they are not exact figures I'm giving. So let's let that caveat be known. Yeah. So, uh, so that's the way it works. So you can see how it's now affecting the economy of Nigeria. Now, our expected um, um, income, revenue, has dropped $37 per barrel. It puts pressure on the economy of Nigeria. So you can see how this whole thing works. So right now, the government is running Helter Skelter to see other ways of raising funds for the economy to ensure that the economy is still on. But that cannot be possible, right? Because we, have, we, have, we operate a mono-economic system. So what should we do in this case? Yeah, they say, um, dig your well before you become thirsty. We have been advocating over time that the government diversifies its revenue base. Looking at solid minerals, looking at crude oil product. I'm sorry, agriculture, not agriculture, not, not food production, but walking through the whole value chain, creating end products from agricultural produce and exporting those end products to countries around the world where you can be able, where the central bank can end foreign exchange. So there are a lot of pressures on the economy. So I'm talking about the economics of the pandemic. I'm not talking about the health implications. So you might be surprised that, oh, why is he talking about, why is he talking about people that are dying? No, I'm looking at the economic effects. So it's the economics of the pandemic, not the health implications from the pandemic. So you understand how this thing works. So how does it affect you? Because of this, most companies have shut down in Nigeria. They stay at home. The government has said stay at home. So companies are not working. Industries are not producing, right? So products are not actually coming out so much. 
so there is a shortage in products in the economy right now so when so much money is chasing few goods that is just the definition of inflation so we expect that the inflation figures which is around 12.33 percent it's going to rise the next i'm sure the next uh, inflation figure we'll be hearing maybe for the month of march or the month of february will be around um, will be around maybe um 14 to 15 percent that's what we expect currently right so you can see the economics of a pandemic how it breaks down from china goes to opec comes back to nigeria and affects you as a household now what should the government do if you look at the u.s case for example um the u.s is saying that oh this is getting too long it's already over 12 minutes i hope it doesn't bore you yes and i hope the stories are interesting anyway so u.s is already saying that they're going to inject two trillion dollars into their economy right and then um to 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 hand to to hand money to people of course it's not going to be cash at hand it's going to be unconditional cash transfers which is going to be a case of okay i have your bank account details you have a central social um number so we're going to use that to be able to track you and then send money into your account right so that's how it works for the U.S. and other economies. Canada is saying the same thing. France is saying the same thing. And other developed economies are saying the same thing. But it becomes a problem for Nigeria. Now, how does it become a problem for Nigeria? You're surprised because a lot of people have been asking me questions. Why is the government not giving us money? Is it possible for the government to give money? Does the government have the money to give to you? Uh, people, a lot of economists have said, no, the government doesn't have money. Because if you look at our external reserve, if you look at um, our, our excess crude oil accounts, if you look at, there's no money there, it's short. Our external reserve is around $35 billion currently. Um, the central bank doesn't have money. No, I do not agree with that. Now, first of all, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight against that. Now, I'm going to say that there's what we call a system of quantitative easing, right? So, where the government, the central bank, would mint currency, would, when there is a situation like this, a pandemic like this, would mint currency and distribute currency back into the economy. Why? Because there is no enterprise, there is no economy going on, there's no economics going on currently. So all the government has to do is to go out of the secular flow. If you look at the, there's all called, I'm sure if you do basic economics, there's all called the secular flow of income. Where you have saving as a leakage and expenditure as an injection into the secular flow of income right so currently there is no injection into the secular flow of income there is no expenditure there people are not there is no people are not producing um, companies are not are not you know paying salaries companies are not um, there's nothing going on government is not spending so much right now so now you have to go outside the secular flow of income print money for means money rather from the central bank and then put into the system right put into how the households and organizations like of course i just heard over the news that the senate is already saying that they're going to um, remove uh, electricity tariff for two months yes that's an incentive of course that's that's good i think i commend them for that but i hope it's not just um what's and platitudes they have to come up with a lot of actions to ensure that that is done and apart from that um 
there's a stimulus package that they say they are giving people 10,000 naira. I don't know if you've, if you've seen any, you can comment, you can send a comment or you can send your question and then I, I can answer that. If you have seen, please, I would love to take stats as to those that have gotten the benefits of the stimulus package for individuals and for households. But now, now that I ha- we have established that this is possible, the government can go outside reserve to get funds into the system. Now that that is established through quantitative easing, now, is it possible to send money to everybody? No. Oh, you're shocked. Yes. The answer is no. Now, there's what we call financial inclusion in Nigeria. Financial inclusion has to do with the number of Nigerians that have bank accounts and have a bank verification number, which is a central system where your numbers can, you can use a particular number, a unique code to track your bank accounts. Now, only 35% of Nigerians are in the financial inclusion circle. What this means is that if you bring 100 Nigerians to line up, only 35 of them have a bank account. Now, how would the government, after getting the money out, getting these funds out, put this money into the bank accounts of Nigerians when only 35% has bank accounts? So this makes a case of low financial inclusion in Nigeria. So it becomes, this incentive becomes impossible. Now, if you say, okay, give it to corporate organizations, like I mentioned before, tickled on hypothesis, how financial incentive for corporate organization brings about economics. Now, how many people are in the formal sector? How many people are working in banks and, you know, corporate organizations that pay tax and then they are registered companies? We have 70% of the working force in the informal sector in Nigeria. So the informal sector is undocumented. So people, roadside sellers, of course, they make a lot of money. But how would government give roadside sellers money to give their staff? Because government doesn't have record of them. So we have an, a database gap in this country. But of course, it provides an opportunity for the government to say, okay, I'm going to pay money into the accounts of those that have accounts, right? But if you know you don't have an account, you have to go and open an account to get the money. But how would that be done now when they are said stay at home? It's a big problem. So it has to be after the whole COVID-19 pandemic. There has to be a case for financial inclusion in Nigeria. There has to be an incentive for the market woman that keeps the money under her bed and said that it's safer there to take the money and keep in the bank. For those in the slums, there has to be a motivation where you can have people that will go there and say, okay, ah, the government wants to give you 10,000 naira. Okay, I want to collect 10,000 naira, but you know, you can't get it. Why? You have to open an account. Okay, take now. Can I fill this form for you? Thumbprint. We're opening an account for you and your BVN and all of that. We do it right here and now so that you can. And if you have money, after the government has put money for you, if you have money elsewhere, you can now go to this place and put it in the bank. You can use the Impensa model in Kenya where you don't necessarily have to walk into a bank. You can just go to an Impensa agent everywhere in the market, everywhere around, and then you give them the money and then they record it into your account. It's captured into your account right so that's what makes a case for financial inclusion in nigeria so you can see the economics of a pandemic how it affects um households how it affects businesses and all of that so what the government should do now for the formal sector is to what we call create what we call a tax holiday if they can give three months tax holiday okay i'm not going to pay tax for three months so that these companies will not start their staff right and then the electricity bill because i understand that 52 percent of business costs 
is from power alone oh this is getting too long i hope this is not boring you like seriously it's my first podcast me when i have a guest next time i'm sure i'll be able to you know have those breaks and then we'll have those tea breaks and then we'll laugh and then we'll come back to a discussion but this is this is i'm just talking and talking and talking i hope it sounds well at the end of the day right so now the government would um put money uh, sorry um the lights the electricity bill can be taken off and then we say okay of course 52 percent of of business of, of cost for businesses is from power alone that would reduce business costs so that at the end of the day the business would pledge the government that we are not going to sack any staff after this now what is the post um, effect of this pandemic. People have been working from home using, I, I, I have been using um, Cisco WebEx to have my meetings, I've been using BlueJean, I've been using Zoom to have meetings and these things have been very effective because of course we share documents and the rest of them and it changes the nature of work going forward. So you have to be relevant with IT applications or else your job we go out of place because I'm sure that when you resume, the bosses will say, okay, I think we need to start considering work from home. We don't need too much staffs again and a lot of layoffs are going because for those that are not tech savvy, you, your job is on the threat. So I believe we understand the economics of a pandemic, the Nigerian case now. I don't know if there's any other thing I have not touched. Um, I don't have a note, so I'm just speaking from my head. Oh... We talked about the global oil price. We talked about the pressure on the naira. We've talked about, why, well, of course, inflation, the markets woman case, uh, what government should do right now. Of course, we still have made a case for post-pandemic financial inclusion. Um, I'm talking about the quantitative easing where governments can print funds and all of that. So, thank you very much for listening to my first podcast. And of course, there is no better thing to talk about than the COVID-19 and then talking about the economics of a global pandemic, the Nigerian case, as it talks about the COVID-19. Yes, more episodes will be coming out. I will try as much as possible to have friends come around maybe on weekends and then we talk about economics and then we pull those things out. It's going to be an interesting time and anything that affects the economy, of course, affects you. It tickles down to you, to your pocket, to your house, to your savings um, uh, maybe the next episode will be on the principles of inflation high inflation affects the money you're keeping and where do you put your funds going forward yeah so thank you very much i am excited about this new journey i'm embarking on and i hope you're excited too and please share with your friends and those that will need to hear this thank you very much